This is an ABC podcast. Meg, what is Devil's Ballast all about? Devil's Ballast is a young adult adventure story and it's based on the real life adventures of the pirate Anne Bonny who lived in the 18th century. Meg, what was it about the story of female pirate Anne Bonny which inspired you and inspired parts of this book? Well, I love that it's largely an unfinished story. We don't really know a lot about what happened to Anne Bonny and we also don't know a lot about whether the fact and the fiction meet and diverge again. So we have a book called uh, A General History of Pirates and that's where we have most of our information about Anne Bonny but a lot of that is probably made up. So we have some historical records but not a lot that says exactly what happened to her and I love that kind of that unspoken, unfinished story. And I also love that she was, a, she was a woman living a completely anachronistic life, defying all the expectations of, of her time. And really, by what we do know for the, from the record, she was calling a lot of the shots there, and I thought that was just fantastic. So in terms of having kind of an open book as it was with her, I mean, who is the Anne Bonny that we meet in Devil's Ballast? I mean, who is this character that you've created from that? Well, some of it was based on sort of reading between the lines in the history. So knowing, for example, that she was a powder monkey, so she was a runner for the gunners, and so she had to be fairly small to be sort of running back and forth on these low decks. Also knew she had to be quite fierce. She had to be very independent. There's a lot of stories about her before she became a pirate, uh, just running riot over her father's plantation. So a lot of a lot of it was kind of reading between the lines in history. And also just trying to think, how would a woman in such a situation survive? What sort of personality would she have to have in order to both gel with the crew and also maintain her independence and stay safe. So how much research went into getting the terminology particularly right for this novel to fit the times that you've set it in? And I mean, what other times that you've set this in? So much research. So much. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was 18, I went on a a gap year in England. So I was uh, working at a boarding school and it was in Somerset and it was very isolated. I didn't have a laptop for the first term and I didn't have internet for most of it. So I would go down to the staff room and I would print off pages and pages of terminology and diagrams and that sort of thing. I'd take them back to my room copy them out into a little book and and memorize them. So that's basically what I what I did on my 18th year and my grandfather would send pages of research back and forth to me and um so that that whole year was really about the research more than anything for me. And then I came back to to Australia and kept on with the research, visited as many boats as I could, went sailing on the Swan River in the middle of a storm and also went uh, on a big trip in 2017 to Nassau and to Charleston and to England to sort of speak with historians and also kind of breathe a bit of Anne's air. That is a lot. I mean, you pretty much, I mean, going sailing in a storm, putting your body on the line for this book in a way. We were with very good sailors, so I think I was all right. (laughs) But I mean, that was one of the things that really stood out uh, to me with this book was the terminology in it. And there were parts where I was like, 
what is she talking about? And I would have to Google them. And there were things like... Oh, no. <laughs> like No, like Larboard, I didn't realise, was an early version of port. So yeah. I, I learned a lot of uh, seafaring terms that I'm familiar with some of them now. But, you know, when you're talking about the sort of the 1700s, I suppose, they were a lot different. So it was kind of nice to go through and it had... You know, I had wondered to myself about how much you'd put into this words that I was sitting there and Googling yeah. <laughs> about. All, all up, it was really kind of, um, it was about eight years of research. All, all up, really. And, and, and it was a lot of fun. I really liked the, the research component to it. Um, my mum would sit and quiz me. She had like little cards with, with definitions on it. So she would test me on the, um, on the different terminology as well. It sounded like you went to pirate school as well, Meg. <laughs> I basically did, and I'm just trying to spread the pirate nerdiness, you know? <laughs> <laughs> spread it all around. We obviously get a lot of that research that you've done about Anne, but also that reading between the lines in terms of the character that we get to read in Devil's Ballast. But what went into the crafting of those other characters of the crew of the Ranger that we meet along the way as well? So it was. it's really important to me with all my minor characters that they have fleshed out internal journeys. So there are some characters in Devil's Ballast that never get a speaking line, but they have their own stories as well. And so it was really important to me to flesh them out as much as possible and to give them realistic motivations, even if that never comes through in the book itself. So a lot of it was about thinking about the dynamics on the crew. What's the the makeup of a crew? You know, what are the different roles on the ship and, and how do they interact with one another? What are the different cultural backgrounds of various pirates because it was quite a a lot of the the pirate crews came from quite diverse backgrounds so a, a lot of it was trying to figure out how these different personalities a lot of them from the margins would interact with one another and that's one of the things that you get to understand is I suppose the dynamic a little bit between um, Isaac but also old dad as Anne mm. calls him and you suddenly realise that yes you're in a time of slavery that there might be uh, runaway slaves people who have been slave owners themselves or crewing ships together and that that dynamic could cause some conflict along the way too. Absolutely. And I spoke to um, some researchers in the Bahamas about that. And they were talking about on some pirate crews, you know, the for, for people who had been enslaved, it was really an opportunity to, to work on a, a more even playing field. But for others, of course, it wasn't. For others, they would sort of step out of being enslaved persons in, in America and then they would find themselves in much the same position. So it, it really was very dependent on the particular crew that they were in. When it comes to pirates, you obviously need someone who doesn't like pirates. And I want to know, you know, historically, who was Captain Jonathan Barnett? He's a little bit of an enigma, but he's so interesting because often when people were commissioned to hunt pirates, it's because it was a naval thing, it's because they had some sort of commission from from royalty. But Jonathan Barnett actually uh, petitioned for a commission. He he sent off word and, and requested it. And he, he received a commission along with a whole bunch of really interesting conditions for it and he went off on the the Albion was his first ship by the time he cuz he he eventually did capture the the crew of the ranger by the time that happened he had two other ships and again there's there's some gaps into how that happened and why he would so badly want to be hunting pirates 
So, Meg, I mean, when it came to the writing of his character, I'm assuming that in real life he was quite, uh, you know, a bit more brutal than what we get in your book, only because it is a YA book. And I'm assuming that there was quite a bit that you couldn't put in there, but still had to kind of convey just how brutal he was or how much this character disliked pirates. So again, for Jonathan Barnett, there's a lot that we don't know about him. So a, a lot about his character is kind of that between the lines reading. I would imagine as a pirate hunter, yes, there would be a lot of brutality to it and there'd be a lot of um, sort of content that we probably couldn't put in a, in a YA novel. When I was looking at Barnett, I was really inspired by the character of Javert from Les Mis. Oh, right. And so I really tried to, yeah, I tried to kind of align him with that as much as I could. That makes perfect sense now. Yeah, I get that now. <laughs> Just playing stars on repeat on Spotify. Yeah, Devil's Ballast, the reader does find out it, while reading this book what that term actually means. But what was the place of women during these times and the place, and I suppose the times that Anne was living in and what kind of restrictions was she under as a woman? Well, for, for Anne, Anne has a very particular story on her own because for the first couple of years of her life, she was actually raised as a boy. Uh, it was part of a, an inheritance scheme that her, her father was, was part of, basically. And um, she was disguised as his clerk and, and grew up in Ireland uh, dressed as a boy. And then when she moved to America, suddenly she was expected to be the lady of the house, you know, after her mother died. So she had to, you know, wear the nice dresses. She ha was expected to marry a friend of her father's. And it was suddenly all this freedom that she'd had as a boy growing up in Ireland she didn't have in Charleston. And she she married this, this person, James Bonney, who by all accounts was really trying to, to get a hold of, uh, of her, her inheritance. And her father disowned her. So as soon as her father disowned her, James Bonney wasn't really interested anymore and the relationship completely soured. So not a great time, you're saying, to be a woman, really, where Absolutely you, were, not. you were considered property in a way. Yeah, and, and actually in Anne's trial, there's some evidence to suggest that part of what swayed people against her was the fact that she left her husband. Not, not all the piracy, not all the murder, but the fact that she <laughs> left her husband. Now, what was the extent of piracy during the 18th century? I mean, what did you discover about just what was going on at that time when the real Anne Bonny was said to be out and on the waves? So Anne's, Anne's sort of very narrow period of piracy was at the heyday, really. The 18th, early 18th century was the golden age of piracy, and that sort of ended really with the death of Bartholomew Roberts in uh, 1722. So when Anne was out on the sea, it was just there were pirates everywhere. And, and part of Anne's story and, and Calico Jack's story is that it was so rampant on the, on the waters that the new governor of the Bahamas decided to extend a pardon to pirates. So basically, if they, if they gave up their nefarious seafaring ways, um, then they'd be pardoned, no worries, so long as they didn't go back to it. And Calico Jack actually took that pardon. And so he'd, he'd given up piracy. He was ready to start a regularly 
you know, honest life. And then he met Anne and she convinced him to go back to sea again. <laughs> so um, it was a time when the ocean was just filled with pirates, especially around the Bahamas, especially around Nassau. And, and Anne did as much as she could to contribute to that. Meg, how, uh, how much did it help actually seeing and feeling those places that you describe in the book? I mean, how much did that, I suppose, method writing help in the writing of Devil's Ballast? Just before I went to on that trip, I had this kind of feeling that the book was dead in the water. I was really struggling with it. I'd just finished a draft that was no good, and I knew I had to rewrite it from scratch, and I just wasn't sure whether it was actually going to go anywhere. And then when I went on that trip and spent so much time just looking for Anne and trying to connect with that character, it just breathed a new life into it. And so it was really a month of just really reflecting on Anne and how she lived and who she was, and it helped so much. So the, the actual just going to the places where she once walked uh, made all the difference in the world. Now, Meg, you said that you did eight years of research for this book in terms of pirates, but how much did you know about pirates historically before going into this novel? That's a really good question. Before going into the, the actual writing of the novel, because I didn't start actually sort of writing the novel from start to finish until 2015, so which was five years into the research. But before I started researching at all, I didn't really know a lot about pirates. I knew that there were female pirates, but I didn't know a lot about them. They were just kind of a, a very abstract idea to me. And then when I started researching in 2010, it's just a rabbit hole. As soon as you start researching pirates, there's so many of them and there's, su there's such a long history of piracy. You know, you can just keep on going forever. So I suppose how does your writing process deal with that? I mean, have you found a way of doing such a research-intensive book like this of knowing when to kind of get out of that rabbit hole and how much of the rabbit hole to put into your manuscript? That was the main problem I had with Devil's Ballast. And the, the first time I sent it off to my editor, she said, you know, this is too tightly tied to the history and you're letting go of the story for it. So then I had to kind of sit back and think what parts of the story are essential and what parts of the story are just kind of side things that I added in to, to feel like I was being historically accurate, you know? So it was it was at that point that I said, oh, okay, well, it's more important to have Anne as a personality. It's more important to figure out who Calico Jack was as a person than it is to sort of figure out the dates and the exact times and the exact routes that they took along the Bahamas. So do you think you'd ever go back and write the definitive pirate book by Meg Caddy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this amazing historian called David Cordingly and there's no way I could ever write anything as wonderful as, as his body of work on pirates. He's fantastic. Um, I was lucky enough to, to meet with him in England, actually, and he was just so generous with his time and so kind. Um, and I've read every book he's ever written. So what advice did he give you then? Well, he put me onto the National Archives at Kew Gardens and pointed me towards a couple of documents there that would really help with my research, including the, the letter of commission that Captain Barnett had uh, to go hunting pirates. So, so David Cordingly was, was really good at sort of pointing out those little things that helped shape Barnett's character, for example. 
Meg, you've written about werewolves. You've now written about pirates. What might be next for the Meg Caddy experience? (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently uh, back in research mode and I'm looking at some early witch trials from from the early 17th century. And Meg, what do you want readers to take away from Devil's Ballast? I mean, first of all, I, I want them to take away like a really good adventure story. I want them to take away uh, the feeling of being at sea, that adrenaline rush, and, and hopefully a little bit of love for the history. But also, you know, I think it, it's got a, a badass woman character. It's got a whole bunch of diverse characters working together. So I hope that there's a little bit of that comes through as well. Brianna Patrick on ABC Radio.